I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A warm welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times weekly podcast in which we delve into the exciting world of the foreign exchange market. It's been a week dominated by Article 50, which came and went with a great big forex yawn and increasing talk of Trump trades rewinding, notably the dollar. So, is sterling going to get bored by Brexit negotiations and is there more dollar sell-off to come? And with the end of the first quarter, what did we learn from it that points to how Forex behaves in the second quarter? Welcome to my guest, Ugo Lancioni, Portfolio Manager in Currencies and Fixed Income at Newberger Berman. Ugo, what did you learn from Brexit this week? Well, uh, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time now. It's a very important moment, but obviously... There's no, not a lot of new information. The tone was probably a little bit softer than people had expected, so that's good in a way, but there is a lot of uncertainty ahead of us still. The question uh, will be, when will the Europeans start focusing properly on Brexit, yes. given that there is a lot of domestic uncertainty with elections in France and in Germany and yeah. potentially in Italy as well. It quite a while before we get to these negotiations. I mean, I thought we had, the phony war was over and I thought we were going to start getting on with it. But actually, it still may be quite a while for the markets to get into the nitty gritty of negotiations. Absolutely. I think the next important uh, moment will be at the end of April when yeah. the EU will publish some sort of Brexit directives or uh, their agenda. Uh, calling in it the Brexit of- Summit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we will know about their priorities. And it seems that the, the, the attention is, uh, is shifting towards the difference between sequential negotiations or parallel negotiations. This is whether the British pay up front first to divorce from the EU, and then later we get to discuss what will be the trade relationship. That's correct. And I think, you know, in the case of sequential negotiation, I think that's a little bit more dangerous for Sterling as it means that, you know, the clock is ticking. There's not much time. Two years, mm. you know, is a short period of time mm. to negotiate the new trade relationship relationship with the EU, and therefore uh, parallel negotiations would probably be preferable for the UK. And of course, you know, Sterling would probably react more positively. So sequential in the, is in what the you'd worry. You'd, you'd worry about that before you start to decide what to do with Sterling. What is the range now for Sterling, do you think? We've got two ways it's going. It's potentially going higher against the dollar, because if you agree with this, Sterling looks cheap against the dollar. But it has more room to fall against the euro, possibly, if we see the ECB turning hawkish and if we see Marine Le Pen losing the French presidential election. I would agree. Of course, you know, Brexit is, is, the, is the crucial topic today, but we need to look at the other side of the equation too. And of course, in the case of the dollar, we had quite a bit of a dollar correction. Here today, the dollar is the actually one of the cheapest currencies among G10, if not the cheapest. Mm-hmm. And certainly, uh, given that the data in the US has been relatively strong, yield differentials also point for a stronger dollar. I mean, there's potentially more upside for the dollar against sterling than there is for the euro. In Europe, as you mentioned, we have uh, still quite a bit of uncertainty ahead of us with the French elections, of course. But I would say from a more tactical perspective, the market has been uh, buying the euro back, I would say, because probably the market was short quite aggressively the last couple of weeks on expectations that the ECB could act before ending QE based on a number of comments that we had from the 
from a number of members of the European Central Bank. But over the last couple of days, this has been sort of denied, this possibility, and uh, yes. we've seen a, a, a move back lower in the euro. Okay, just l- let's focus on the dollar now. Is the Trump trade really affecting markets? By which I mean, have they done what they want to do in terms of rewinding these trades? And are they putting to one side what Donald Trump says and how he might influence the US economy and focusing much more just purely on the data, which after all, we saw on Thursday this, this revision upwards of GDP in the US. Yeah, I, I believe the data is still the most important factor here. Obviously, when uh, Trump was elected, we had a huge dollar rally. Most of the people attributed this dollar strength to the victory of Trump and potentially to the implementation of aggressive fiscal policy. However, I think the dollar rally had to do with the, the strength of the economy. Yeah. And also with the substantial divergence that has been gradually building between the US and the other major countries in terms of monetary policy. Now, this is still important. Obviously, we had a correction lower in the dollar since uh, the beginning of the year. And I mean, the dollar started to move lower, even lower uh, after Yellen delivered the dovish hike. And on top of that, of course, the inability of the Republican Party to vote on the Obamacare reform uh, was seen by the market as an additional obstacle to dollar strength. But if we look at positioning, the market has substantially reduced the dollar long. The data in the U.S. continues to be strong. As you mentioned, GDP was above expectation. And the data has been generally strong. Consumer confidence has been very strong. The job numbers have been persistently strong. So I think the dollar has another leg up, potentially. Let's look at the first quarter. Did people do well out of the first quarter, or rather the start of the first quarter, and, and lost it again to the, towards the second half? We had all these you know, very strong uh, sure bets, like the strong dollar, the weak peso, volatility, you know, real yields. They all just never happened. So people feeling burnt by that first quarter. There was probably too much uh, build-up of expectations. And certainly what I would say is that the authorities have been keen uh, to sort of verbally, I wouldn't say keen to intervene, but, you know, the fact is that at the the extreme of the ranges, we always had some comments, right? Yes. When the dollar was very strong, clearly the the U.S. authorities have been sort of readily vocal about it. Really, one of the major objectives of the Trump administration is to bring uh, manufacturing back to the States. So, obviously, an extremely strong dollar doesn't help. And they were pretty clear about it when the dollar was close to the eyes at the beginning of the year. Yes. Now that the dollar is corrected lower, I would expect probably this a little bit of consolidation here. And also, you know, we need to keep in mind that the U.S. economy is still doing okay. While in Europe, you know, inflation has picked up closer to 2% in terms of headline inflation, but in terms of core inflation, it's still not very clear if out of the woods there. Just give me finally, Hugo, the best possible trade you think to, to last through to the second quarter. What feels comfortable? What kind of trade? It doesn't have to be in, in FX, but what, what feels comfortable as a, as a trade? Well, I still think generally that rates are going to go up over time globally. The US economy is doing well. Europe is recovering. It's, it's going to be a gradual recovery. Uh, there's clearly no rush uh, with the major central banks to exit extremely loose monetary policy too soon. But certainly, you know, the data is improving. So negative rates in many of those countries don't make sense in my view anymore. So I think generally going to still be short duration. It's going to be a bumpy road. I mean, it's yes. unlikely that we're going to... It's going to be the rates opti- are going to... optimistic bumpy road. Though, an optimistic it? bumpy road, I would say. In effect, it's going to be it's still a little bit tricky in the sense that, you know, low volatility and range trading has favored 
carry strategies recently. So, of course, that could change, especially given that there is a substantial divergence between uh, uncertainty priced in by the market and actually the level of uncertainty that we debate every day around Brexit, political risk in Europe, and yes. uh, and so on. Okay, a lot of fun still to be had. My thanks to Ugo Lancioni from Newburger Berman. Join us next week for a week of full of data and the Mar-a-Lago summit between Donald Trump and the Chinese President Xi. From Hard Currency, it's goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 